podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, hey, everybody. We're back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and yet again, we're here to give you more knowledge, more information, and more love. We are here today with an incredible woman, Casey Mitchell. We're going to have an incredible conversation with her. You're going to love it. She's the president of the and the executive director. It's let's give her all the titles. Portland Psychedelic Society. Already it sounds cool. It's something you want to join. It's like the society I want to be a part of. But I before we dive in with Casey, just got a few things I need you to do for me. Because we have this incredible relationship. We're building this podcast. It just gets better and better and better every episode. So we need to get this information out to more people. And how do we do that in this digital age, the 21st century? Instagram is what I hear. That's what I'm using besides the internet. Instagram. So I need you to follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. At midnight underscore on underscore earth. Follow us there. Go to Spotify. Subscribe to us there. Whatever podcast platform you use, please feel free to subscribe. And of course, the biggest thing of all, the biggest thing that you can do for me as my friends out there, and you're going to be friends with Casey and we're all just going to be friends as my friends out there around the world. Please tell a friend, you know, people that love these kinds of topics that, that want to know about the Portland psychedelic society, tell that person and then tell that person, tell another person etc etc and then we'll grow the audience it's just going to be better and better and better and there's so much cooking there's so much developing there's so much coming it's gonna it's gonna be amazing so we all have to do our part i have to do my part and i'm asking for your help tell everyone midnight on earth and now we're here with casey mitchell which is so awesome we're so blessed so lucky to be here with her. So let me tell you about who Casey is. Casey Mitchell is a certified transformational life coach and gifted intuitive healer with many years of experience in helping individuals transcend a wide range of negative states of health on all levels. She has over 37 years in the field of addiction recovery. She's a certified transformational life coach with training through Being True to Coaching organization, a mastermind group facilitator, licensed massage therapist, Reiki master, nutritional consultant, and certified in numerous other healing modalities. Also an incredible human being. Let's just put that on the resume. And the president an executive director of the Portland Psychedelic Society. Hello, Casey. How are we doing today? Hi, Jake. I'm doing great. We are doing great. I'm so and glad I- that you're here today. Me too. You know, we, for people that want a little behind the scenes information, 
Casey and I have been working really hard to get together. We keep connecting on the phone and, and we wanted to do this podcast really bad. Both of our schedules are so hectic, but it finally came together. It's a perfect storm right here, right now. She's with us and I'm so thankful. So glad you made us. It's behind the scenes. Took a little bit for us to come together, but here we are to talk about the Portland Psychedelic Society. So first let's uh, talk about what that is. And on their website, I'm just going to read one paragraph. It just says, Portland Psychedelic Society is a community of people who come together to foster evolutionary work on ourselves and help others integrate their experiences and foster their self-work. We emphasize creating an atmosphere of safety and mutual guidance and support, honor, trust, and integrity. All great qualities. We are a gathering of spiritual seekers, curious intellectuals looking for physical, psychological, or emotional healing, or to offer help to those who do. Oh, I love these guys. I'm in. Everyone has a role that gives meaning and relevance to the group as a whole. That's so beautiful. Portland Psychedelic Society. I'm so glad I discovered this thing. So tell me, how did you get involved with Portland Psychedelic Society? Well, uh, well, can I talk a little bit about, well, in order for me to talk about that, I need to talk about what my journey is a little bit has been. Okay. I just wanted to, uh, touch on that, but let's go back. Let's go back in time. Okay. Let's talk about well, psychedelics. What was your first interaction with psychedelics that, that led you to the road to Portland Psychedelic Society? Well, of course, when I was younger, I used psychedelics. Then I uh, entered into an abstinence-based uh, recovery program where uh, psychedelics were completely not allowed. So, there so you had problems with other substances that led you to the recovery situation. Yeah, I uh, I, I was a teenage alcoholic. Ooh, I'm sorry. Yeah, alcohol is oh, not a great drug. Oh. You know, it, it was a tremendous, tremendous gift because it led me to 12-step program, which is basis of my spiritual program that I practice today. Um, but I had to evolve out of the abstinence-based program, which is what brought me to psychedelics <laughs> <laughs> about seven years ago. Um, I had a friend of mine who was a salesperson for one of the premier Ibogaine clinics in Baja, Mexico. Um, Ibogaine is a medicine that's used right now. There's a lot of clinics that use it for detox for addiction. Okay. And at first it was like, what is this whole thing that somebody can take this medicine, a heroin addict can take this medicine and then not have heroin withdrawals. It's like it seemed unbelievable to me. And then the more I found out about it, uh, I, I found out that this is a real thing. And so that was my introduction. I didn't do the medicine, um, but it was my introduction to this new world of uh, treating addiction. Um, and so I started moving into finding more, out more about that. And ended up having my own experiences. So did with, you try it with the Ibogaine? You, you tried the Ibogaine yourself? I did not. 
Uh, Ibogaine is so that these clinics work with blood doses. Uh-huh. Uh, it, I recommend it's very important to have uh, to have it be in a uh, a medical setting to a certain degree. Um, and I have a condition that would not allow me for to be able to do an ibogaine treatment. I see. But there's lots of other psychedelic medicines that help, uh, you know, treat the mental, emotional, spiritual, um, contributing factors to addiction. But that so, was your first uh, interaction point, your first interface point with this psychedelic treatment for addiction, and that really interested you. So then, it really interested. So then did you start doing research into other psychedelics that may have therapeutic benefits in that realm? Absolutely. I did. So, um, the, uh, the, the treatment model at that time or the treatment model that this clinic was working with is that you would get the flood dose, um, treatment with Ibogaine and then, uh, they would like bookend it with, uh, treatment with a medicine called 5-MeO-DMT which is referred to as the, this God molecule, the spirit molecule. Oh yes. Yeah. It's amazing. It's an amazing medicine. So that was actually the first medicine that I tried uh, once I started investigating. So, so after, after Ibogaine, you then discovered DMT as the next therapeutic psychedelic drug. And this one you actually tried yourself. Mm-hmm. And and tell me about that experience. So this was your first DMT experience, and you tried the five MAO DMT, which is different than the NN DMT. For people that don't know, the five mm-hmm. MAO DMT is natural, and it's I believe it's harvested from the frogs. Um, it is, yeah. And the NN DMT is synthesized. So you had the natural five uh, MAO DMT experience, and then. You know, we talked with Chris Dyer, psychedelic artist, visual artist. He talked about that in episode eight. So here we are. We're back with Casey Mitchell talking about this again. I love the synchronicities of all the episodes. Um, So (laughs) what was your experience with it? Tell me what happened. Well, first, uh, so 5-MeO-DMT, it is from, it's from the Sonoran Desert Frog. And it is, uh, it's taken from their venom. And it's dried, and then it's uh, you know put into a form, of a powder form, and it's uh, it's uh, smoked. Mm-hmm. And it was I had <laughs> I had no idea there was I you know my friend just said hey you know the the doctor who you know, this doctor is going to be doing these sessions, and we went to a hotel room and. You know, they had these really cool lights and this awesome music. And uh, and so he just said, okay, you know, here you go. You know, you're just going to you know sit here and we're going to light it. And you're just going to, you know, take this smoke in and we'll, we'll take care of you after that. And I had no idea what this experience was going to be. And it was absolutely fabulous. Um, so what they refer to, they'll refer to it as breaking through. So uh, with the 5-MeO-DMT, most people don't remember what their experience is. So you just, you know, break through. Um, they, 
refer to it as, you know, completely dissolving the ego. Right. When I came back out of it, I was, I knew bliss. I knew sheer unity. I knew absolute infinite gratitude. It, I knew infinite love. It was just, there are no words to describe how I felt. Do you feel like, even though there's no words to describe it, do you feel like, <laughs> do you feel like you cross the threshold of knowing from like wondering to, to really, is it this way? Is there a divine dimension? Is there something bigger than me? At that point, when you smoked it, did you cross the threshold where you now knew and it, it was a part of you? Without a doubt, yes. Okay. And that was, but prior to that moment, you weren't actually there, but you were kind of there. You were like 95% there, but then that pushed you over to 100%. Well, actually, it's really interesting in my healing work. So I do hands on healing work. And in my, my sessions, there are like these, these uh, moments and times where I refer to it as going into a medicine state. So uh, there are times where, um, where I have experienced that, where there's absolute, total, uh, complete connection. And, you know, <laughs> everything really is in perfect divine order. And there's uh, like where there's a, it, it just permeates my being. So from time to time, you know, in my healing sessions, I, I will have that experience. Um, but nothing like this with the the 5-MeO DMT it's you know all encompassing and then it continues on after that yeah it's like a rocket ship to another dimension I personally have only tried 5-MeO DMT one time and all I remember is them telling you know going to the post-life dimension and them telling me it wasn't my time and I had to go back like that's all I really Mm -hmm. remember like you were mentioning that you don't remember it, and I only tried it one time in my life, that specific type of DMT. Yeah, it's uh, people do need to be careful with it because it's a very, very powerful medicine and it can be very destabilizing for some people. Oh, definitely. So, and uh, so the, the preparation and integration, which I had neither of, I didn't know anything about preparation. <laughs> At that time. <laughs> um, so, you know, now knowing what I know now, it's the preparation and integration and, you know, having support of community and having support of, you know, a coach or guide is, is really important because some people do become uh, destabilized with, with the 5-MeO. So you, you saw the therapeutic value in the 5-MeO DMT. And then what's the next step after that? You have your profound experience. Is then is this something that you focus on to work as a medicine or do you keep looking for more things that can be helpful in that same way? Uh, in, in my own personal experience, I, I just kept searching. Okay. I, I seeker, I've been a seeker all my life. And, um, you know, where I was at, at that time, uh, you know, I was very involved in, in 12 step programs, but 
you know, I had my experiences of, uh, you know, going through not being involved with it and, you know, feeling abandoned and, you know, we could go into that later. Sure. Um, but, uh, what was happening at the time is that I was becoming aware of what's referred to uh, as a harm reduction treatment for um, for addiction recovery, because you know there's abstinence-based treatment and then there's harm reduction treatment. Uh, the reason we call it harm reduction is because the main, the traditional mainstream model is abstinence-based. Um, so as I would sit in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, I would see, you know, people just coming and going and, you know, a very, very small percentage of people actually stay and, you know, practice the program and become, you know, get recovery. Sure. And that is true for uh, pretty much all <laughs> treatment models. There's no way to get specific statistics on that. Uh, but it's actually a very small percentage of people who, um, uh, you know, acquire recovery and just live in an awakened state, um, which is what the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous um, can take you to. So I started learning about these alternative treatments and finding out about how psychedelic medicines were helping people with depression, anxiety, um, addiction, um, trauma resolution, you know, resolving these, you know, early childhood uh, traumas. And so I started stepping outside of this abstinence-based treatment model um, view. And, and it was really amazing to me. So back then, that was seven years ago. Um, you know, so there was some people talking about it. Uh, Gabor Mate uh, was talking about psychedelics, uh, and there were you know people here and there. But at that time, it was still so far underground that it was difficult to get information about it, and people were not feeling you know uh, able to speak about it openly. And that has changed drastically in the the seven years that I've been involved with it. I've noticed that as well. There's been a, a huge opening of uh, psychedelic research in the realms of PTSD and other uh, types of therapeutic usage. It's, it's pretty phenomenal. And what I'm noticing is that there's a lot of mainstream kind of push for psychedelics, like to normalize it. And before we were stigmatized and it was this uh, almost demonic substance now it's mm -hmm. it's being slowly reintroduced into pop culture in a way where it's not stigmatized, where it's very normalized. And then you, you think of where we live in Portland, for people that are out there around the world, in Portland right now, it's legal. I, want, I don't want to say legal, but it's decriminalized to have 40 hits of acid. So if you have 40 hits of acid, you get a, and you get, you know, you're high, you get searched, they find 40 hits of acid, you get like a ticket for like 500 bucks or something. Nothing too serious. Whereas in years past, you could have had literally years of jail time for that same uh, thing. So it seems like the, the public attitude has shifted a lot in the realm well, of psychedelics. It really has. And uh, with the passing, so the measure that you're talking about is 110. Uh, and then there's the 
other measure that passed, which is 109, which legalizes uh, psilocybin-assisted therapy. Which is another huge which, victory. It, it is a huge victory. I mean, there's, you know, some people that argue about that because it's built on, built on, you know, a, a capitalistic, you know, colonialized. Profit driven. Uh, yeah. So, so there's, you know, there's some argument about that, but um, the fact is that it, the, the psilocybin therapy is, will be, is being legalized for individuals to be able to access. And, and it is being mainstreamed, which is absolutely amazingly huge. Well, Just, I don't, I don't think people realize the ramifications of people having positive psychedelic experiences and then growing from that. The legislative people, the people that have that frame of mind, it's hard for them to grasp the information that's in the psychedelic dimensions. So they just keep it in the third dimension and they're processing it through laws and 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 codes and 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 various things. But right. what's gonna happen is is that it's gonna shift the frequency of people in a very big way. Because when you have lots of people taking psychedelics safely. Because if you take it, you know, and you're taking it and there's fear involved and there's, there's other things, uh, it changes the frequency, but it's legal. The frequency is different. It's safe. People are going to grow. People are going to change. It's going to make us a better country. Well, it really does. And, um, you know, I don't think we can talk about this without talking about the criminalization of psychedelic medicines. Oh, yeah. So I was... I, I should know like the exact, you know, name of the act and, but it's, you know, the war on drugs. So, sure. you know, the movie war on drugs. <laughs> and I was, uh, that was one of the things it was important for me to get a little education on that. When I first started finding out about the psychedelic medicines, um, because it's that really has developed this, you know, this stigmatization and this whole point of view on what psychedelic medicine does. So LSD, right? I mean, you, you know, your child takes LSD, you know, back in the sixties, your child takes LSD and they're going to freak out and jump off of a building. Right. And that's not what happened. <laughs> with right. LSD. Um, you know, what was, what actually was taking place at that time uh, in the fifties and in the sixties uh, is that there was uh, medical research being done and there's, you know, a whole, you know, there are, there's, you know, countless papers and, uh, uh, you know, huge bodies of research that were, that were done at, back at that, in that time for um, treatment for mental health disorders and um, alcoholism and addictions. So, you know, there is, and there was a medical purpose for these psychedelic medicines Um so when they put when they were put into uh, a schedule one category, you know, part of what that says is that it had no it, they have no medical purpose and that there's a you know, uh, 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 high um, abuse potential. And with the psychedelics, actually, neither one of those things are true. Um, and. You know, now what's happening with this, people are referring to this time as the psychedelic renaissance, is that there are um, a lot of privately funded, there's a, several privately funded organizations 
who are doing the research on what these medicines can do for people, you know, how they're beneficial for mental health uh, and treating addiction. So it's like it's coming, it's all coming around again. Um, and it's coming around in, in a more solid and uh, more grounded way because, you know, when <laughs> we had the, you know, all the hippies and the free love and, um, you know, they were connecting to this higher level consciousness and they were connecting to this higher vision and this higher view. Uh, but, you know, when they were trying to carry that message to people in 3D, it just, you know, there were some things that kind of invalidated their message. Well, it was very chaotic because the dosages were yeah. so all over the place. And, and compared to the LSD that's uh, available on the black market today, it was incredibly more potent and, you know, which is good in some ways, but can be destabilizing in other ways for the wrong personality type. So now it yeah. seems like the, you know, the research is in place, the, you know, the mm -hmm. facilities are in place, the people mm -hmm. that are distributing the LSD around the world, they have it in such a way where it's palatable to the average person. I've noticed that it seems like that they kind of stick to a certain recipe that gets distributed to the, people around the world because you know um albert hoffman had his recipe at sandoz and then of course uh owsley stanley had his recipe and then um there's a couple other recipes out there what seems to be out there the most in the black market uh at festivals and for, from what i understand on the internet is the white fluff LSD, which is very love-based, it's very much, very much like ecstasy, not very, very hallucinogenic per se, but just very powerful and love-based. So it's really interesting how how it's kind of refined itself over time, like you were saying. Yeah, you know, I'm not really, I'm not uh, well versed in the specifics on the, you know, uh, uh, like the, the specifics on the chemicals with. Uh -huh. LSD. Um, there are, you know, there's, there's chemists, they, they make LSD. That's just what they do. <laughs> yeah. There's just, and, uh, you know, what I've noticed is that different recipes have different effects. So, you yeah. Know. Well, and one of the things that I do need to say is um, that, uh, you know, it's important for people to, to test the medicine. Definitely. And, there's an organization called Dance Safe that you can acquire um, uh, test kits through, uh, because there are you know some things that people will add into to LSD that you really don't want to have. Again, I'm not an expert on it. Um, There's a lot of research chemicals out there. People are buying research chemicals from China. You know, they have some uh, derivative components that activate serotonin, and then they sell it as LSD. Dance Safe's been around for a while, and I'm really glad that they're there because they really are helping people. If anybody out there is listening, wants a test kit, go to Dance Safe. Get get a test kit so you know exactly what you're taking. I think that's the best advice in the world. Yeah, well, and you know, I that that falls right in line with with what Portland Psychedelic Society is about. That uh, we want to 
educate individuals on the safe, conscious, responsible use of the psychedelic medicines and, you know, how to prepare, how to prepare for that, how to integrate uh, your experience, um, you know, how to do it safely and uh, consciously. Um, and so that's really what Portland Psychedelic Society, that's part of what Portland Psychedelic Society yeah, well, is about. I, want, I want to get back to your story. So what happened? So you're noticing these uh, psychedelic drugs. Did you get involved in treatment yourself? Did you set up a treatment center with psychedelics or did you get involved with a treatment center? Um, I got, I, I have been involved with a number of treatment centers in Baja, Mexico. So some, uh, several Ibogaine clinics. Uh-huh. Um, I worked with one called Crossroads, which was one of the premier Ibogaine clinics in Baja, and they had an amazing program. Um, it was a seven-day detox, beautiful house on the beach, uh, an amazing uh, clinic in uh, Tijuana, and so I was uh, able to work with them until they decided to close the doors. Um, and after that, I was, or actually kind of before and after that, I was working with um, Tyson Elliott, who was the person who introduced me to this world. Um, and he had a number of projects that were uh, pre-care and post-care Ibogaine treatment centers because of what happened is people would go down for a seven-day treatment with Ibogaine and they weren't uh, having sufficient preparation before they went down and then they didn't have any kind of integration practices after they had these experiences. So when you have a psychedelic experience, particularly when it's for addiction recovery, well, actually with, you know, the uh, psycho-spiritual also, it's really important to uh, learn how to take that experience and then have it fit into the everyday living that you already have set up. Um, so with these Ibogaine treatment centers, that really was not happening. So people would come out, they'd go back into their old environment, they'd end up using again. Um, the potential for them overdosing was actually higher uh, because their um, their uh, tolerance level was very low. So they would potentially go and use the same amount of heroin that they were using before they had their detox and they would overdose. Um, so those experiences, you know, watching people that uh, were, you know, kind of left flailing after going through detox is really why I became passionate about this work um, and passionate about um, helping to develop the preparation and integration process for individuals. Um, so, yeah. So then, so you were doing these Ibogaine treatments, but then that stopped. So then where did you go after that? What was the next step to maintain your relationship with psychedelics and healing? Well, uh, I went through the certification for coaching with the being, uh, with an organization called being true to you, which they're there. It's an amazing, uh, coaching training. Um, and I just kept working here and there in Baja with some projects with Tyson. 
um, and also maintaining uh, my relationship with the coaching organization. Um, you know, had a couple of clients that were, you know, consistent clients. Um, and, you know, the work that I did in, in Baja, there were several uh, different um, I, uh, you know, reinventions of the work that I did with Tyson. Um, actually, uh, he he was a like a hardcore addict alcoholic, um, and he actually died last year. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. So, um, so you tried different methods. Sorry to interrupt there. So you tried different methods of approach when it came to how to treat people with Ibogaine. Maybe one wasn't working well so well, so you refined it. Yeah. And you kept refining it as you went. Kept refining, kept refining, because the you know the the base detox for uh, an ibogaine treatment, people have that down. It's freaking awesome. It's amazing. <laughs> but there's the preparation, the integration part of it. Right, um, right. That it, I, I call it, um, uh, you know, it, it's an evolving treatment model. Um, you know, using psychedelics, uh, integrating psychedelics with addiction recovery and with mental health is they are evolving treatment models. And, um, and so we're pioneers. There's a whole bunch of us that are pioneers. There's, you know, there's maps, which is, uh, they're the ones who are doing, um, uh, the, um, the clinical trials. So they're doing clinical trials actually with MDMA right now. Um, they have a number of other trials that they're, uh, they're in process with. Um, you know, and then there's, you know, people like me who are, you know, on the front lines, you know, working with individuals and, you know, people who are, you know, putting together, trying to put together these treatment centers um, in Mexico where these medicines are legal or some of them are legal. Um, and so, you know, I, you know, I think all of the experiences are valid and, you know, have something to contribute. Um, uh, I've had some really very difficult experiences in Baja uh -huh. and I'm grateful that I'm in Portland and that I'm sitting on the board of the Portland Psychedelic Society. <laughs> well, I'm glad too, <laughs> but I, I want to ask you because you said your friend Tyson passed away and he had addiction problems, but yet he was helping you with these addiction recovery centers, but yet it, it was he an addict himself? Is, is that the, what oh, yeah. happened? So what what was, I, I, what was the disconnect that he wasn't he was helping people but then couldn't help himself? Well, what's going off in my head is like ding 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 ding. <laughs> that's that's what well there were uh, underlying causes that were not treated for him. Mm -hmm. And uh you know, I would say more that I was helping him. Uh develop these programs. Um, and what would happen is he would put his heart, his entire heart and soul into helping others and developing, uh, you know, whatever project it was that we were working on. And he was on the bottom of the list of priorities for self-care and priority for treatment, which is pretty common in this field, I think. Right. Putting um, others first and then not even thinking about your most basic mental and physical needs. 
Yeah, it's uh, codependency. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Codependency. And it's, you know, it's just a very acceptable way of being in in our culture. So so Tyson passes away. Is that when you made the move to Portland? Well, it it did coincide. But it's why it was uh i was actually a little pissed off at you know at him for dying and not being able to help me <laughs> <laughs> well he is helping uh, you he is helping you from the other side i i I'm not... I would not i would not be where i am without him there you go yeah and um there is a there is an organization in baja now that is following the model that he and i were developing and they're doing really good work. I mean, it's still, uh, you know, there's it's rough around the edges, but they're doing really good work. So there's a place for people to go um, where where they can, uh, you know, experience different medicines, ayahuasca, psilocybin, uh, 5-MeO-DMT. Um, you know, it's on the beach. There's a couple of shamans there. There's a sweat lodge, you know, a little bit at a time they have they've been building this uh this program um and it is the model that tyson and i had envisioned so Um, being down there just off the top of my head i mean are there people that are authentic like you and and your friend tyson and doing this real work and there are there other people that set up these kind of scenarios to take advantage of people to just kind of give them drugs without actually being a shaman or really knowing anything about that? Or is that not really a thing? No, that's a thing. Okay. So people have to be careful. People have to be careful. People have to be very careful, particularly with Ibogaine. Um, yeah, ibogaine is a medicine that uh, people can have in, um, if you use it when you have other substances in your system. You can actually die from it. So it's a, so ibogaine is one of those things you have to be really careful about. Um, and yeah, there's this is a subject that comes up pretty regularly. Um, you know how to choose a provider, how to choose a healer, how do you know? And um, again, it's you know, we're pioneers and some people refer to it as the wild, wild west. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, there's, that's one of the reasons why community is really important mm. to have, to have peers and have community. And again, that's what Portland Psychedelic Society is about. It's um, what is, you know, through the quarantine, um, there has been this incredibly rapid growth within Portland Psychedelic Society. And, um, you know, again, this, that's one of the reasons why, uh, knowing what I know about the world of psychedelics and people like coming in and learning how to use them, peer support is extremely important and um, community connection and hearing other people's stories and, you know, finding out other people's experiences and, you know, being able to, you know, like choose who it is that you are going to work with, with the medicine. It's all important. So like if somebody is looking for some kind of healing situation, they can go to the Portland Psychedelic Society 
website, they can figure it out. But what are some of the things just you feel like people should know that they can help scrutinize some of these people when they're deciding? Just wonder what are some of the key things to notice between like a charlatan and somebody that's truly helping people? Well, you know, that's a little difficult. Is um, it coupons? Like you 25% off, then you know it's a little sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you want to make sure that someone has experience. Uh-huh. They, you know, more than it's like more than a year. Um, okay. it depends on what you're looking for. Um, with you know, with it with ibogaine treatment, uh, I say call me and I'll help you figure out who to go to because wow. there's you know, there are there's all kinds of different treatment there actually with all the medicines. So when people are talking about ayahuasca, I mean, you can get, go and, you know, get a one-on-one, have a one-on-one ayahuasca experience. You can, um, you know, go down to Mexico and there's, you know, genuine shamans. Um, there are, you know, underground organizations, uh, in the States, you know, or people who, um, offer ayahuasca circles, which it's illegal. So yeah, it's um, blowing up right now. It's, it's blowing up right now. It's huge. Um, You you know, again, you know, I think part of it is intuition, you know, connecting with someone and, you know, finding out about who they are, finding out about what their organization is. Uh, and, coming to Portland Psychedelic Societies and asking the questions. <laughs> well, okay. So, here, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Here, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, that's okay. And hear experiences of other people and how, how they have, you know, vetted their medicine person. Okay. So now we have you in Portland. We, we've led you up to in Portland. So now you're discovering the Portland Psychedelic Society. How did you find them? Okay. So I have family up here and my mother also passed last year of complications of dementia. So I was spending a lot of time up here, like over the last three years, or actually now it's been like three and a half, I think. Um, Time like seems irrelevant right now. (laughs) So when I came up here, I connected with Portland Psychedelic Society. I was involved with an organization called LAMPS, which is the Los Angeles Medicinal Plant Society. And, um, you know, uh, Brad Adams uh, is a friend of mine and said, hey, you need to know these people. And so I, my first event with Portland Psychedelic Society was when Shane Moss was, uh, do you know, have you heard of Shane Moss? I have not. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and he he was uh he was on tour and the proceeds from his tour uh were going to maps which is the multi or you could you look up what maps yeah is? <laughs> it's a multi uh psychedelic uh it's the psychedelic group that it's a nonprofit that does all that yeah. incredible work. It's it's a really long name. Multidisciplinary uh, Association for Psychedelic something. Anyway, I just we got it. it. We anyway. everybody knows what it is. It's out there. Maps is a huge okay. huge okay. reputation. Yeah. 
privately. <laughs> awesome, amazing. So uh, Shane Moss, he actually has a documentary out now, and he was on tour with his comedy show. And it, it was amazing because he would, he would, you know, do comedy about these psychedelic trips, but he also uh, integrated like uh, scientific information and education for people. How interesting. So, so he added that, yeah, that so extra that, layer. Yeah, he did. And he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's amazing. So that was my first event with Portland Psychedelic Society. It's, it's like, okay, let's go to a comedy show. <laughs> And, um, and then I came up and did some presentations with them. Some, uh, you know, I was on a couple of panels on a microdosing panel on a, uh, integration panel. And when I, I moved up to Portland last year, last, uh, you know, a year ago, uh, summer and, um, they invited me to become part of the board and wow. Yeah. That's kind of pretty cool because your vibe is so epic. You're so cool. You've been up here barely a year and they're just like, please join our board. Like we need you. I know, right? <laughs> well, you're extra special. That's why you're here. We're, we're very glad to have you here. They're very glad to have you too. Jake, are you saying I'm extra? Uh, you're, I'm extra. you're extra amazing. You're, you're 10 out of, you're 55 out of 10. Okay. So let me finish the story. And I, uh, you said, sure, I'd love to be on the board. And then like the, then the, the president, something happened with him and he left the board and then the vice president, something happened with him and he left the board. Oh no. So that position was open. So I like left it alone for about a month and a half. And I said, you know, it kind of seems like a no brainer for me just to step into this position. And so the, you know, the other board members were fine with that and voted me in. And I didn't realize what I was getting myself into. What was the responsibility increase that happened? <sighs> like ridiculous. I had no idea what, what it meant to be president of the board. And um, there were uh, a lot of, or the president of a board of a nonprofit organization so just let me clarify okay a portland psychedelic society is actually a project of peers which is the 501c3 so peers is the um psychedelic exploration oh wait a minute psychedelic ex uh entheogenic exploration research society there you go wow okay. Yes. So, so, so uh, we are a 501c3 under the name of peers. Okay. Um, Psychedelic society is a project of peers. So we operate under an assumed business name. Um, The reason that we're called Portland Psychedelic Society is because it's very like out there. That's who we are. Uh, It connects us with other psychedelic societies globally. There's a whole bunch of them. Um, and, um, so when I became president, I started, you know, looking into, to all of a lot of the details of what is, what are required for a 501 C three to operate. And there was a lot of things that were not in place for that. So, um, 
I started learning what goes into operating a 501c3, which I knew nothing about before becoming the president. Um, and we have like in just the board has expanded rapidly. Uh, when we went into quarantine, we moved everything online. So we had to get all of that figured out. Um, it's really amazing. Everything that's happening behind the scenes with Portland Psychedelic Society is phenomenally amazing. So tell me about some of the work that's going on right now. I mean, are you guys, do you guys receive grants and other sources of funding? How are you guys uh, staying afloat right now? We're not ready for that. Okay. Uh, we have, so, so um, Portland Psychedelic Society, before I came on board, um, they had two uh, major in-person conferences that were fabulous. So you can go on to um, the YouTube channel and you can see videos from actually videos from current presentations. Uh, but there's a lot of videos from our past conferences. Um, I believe there's a link on our website, which hopefully will be looking good by the time. <laughs> it looks <laughs> great, actually. It looks really good right now. Okay. Um, uh, so there was a couple of conferences that they had, and that was you know, a, a, a main resource for funds. Um, so we're still kind of, we're floating on uh, on the last conference, which is great. But uh, we do have, we have over 15 online groups a month. Uh, people can find out about those through Meetup, through our uh, Portland Psychedelic Society Meetup. Um, and so we receive, at this time, we're receiving donations from people through those groups. Um, we have established, I was actually on the phone with a uh, fundraising committee uh, meeting just before you and I can't got on. And um, so th there's different committees that are being developed. So we're developing a fundraising committee. Um, you know, we're getting everything uh, you know, all of our ducks in order so that we can move into looking at receiving grants. Um, we do have uh, Aaron Eisen, who is the head of our education and research team. He has over 30 people on his team uh, and with a couple of different or several different research projects that they're doing. So it seems like PPS is going to explode here just around the corner. PPS is exploding now. Okay. And yeah. <laughs> it, it's, you know, it's right now it's about getting um, systems and procedures in place to be able to support this amazing vision. So it's, so Jay, just let me. Yeah, let me please tell me everything. We can go. Woo -woo. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we can go. We can go anywhere we want. Okay, so with psychedelic medicines, we get uh, we get connected with a higher level consciousness. Of course. So, so people will will do their medicine. So it's important to set the intention uh, for whatever it is, the information that you're wanting. You uh, take the medicine. You move into this higher level consciousness and connect with. Uh, whatever vision it is, what, whatever it is that the medicine is showing you. Uh, and then you come back down into the 3D. And 
and integrate this higher level vision. Now, you know, that vision can come through, uh, you know, you can do it um, through meditation and visioning work, um, prayer, uh, you know, all kinds of different things. I mean, you know, people like get these downloads, right? Like you get a download for business. They go, oh my God, okay, I have to create this. <laughs> so this was happening with Portland Psychedelic Society. But it's pretty cool because it's, you know, psychedelics. So you take this medicine and you uh, get these, all of these people are like using these medicines and then they have this giftedness that, uh, that needs somewhere to go. And so they get to come to Portland Psychedelic Society and like channel this giftedness. Um, and being a part of Portland Psychedelic Society actually becomes a part of their integration process. Um, because it gives them a people to bounce off of. It gives them a, a resource for their for their information they can gain from other people's experiences. Well, information that they can gain, information that they can offer. So there's this this seamless give and take that happens. Uh, so you know, if you become a volunteer with Portland Psychedelic Society. You have these gifts and talents that you're able to um, to uh, contribute to the organization, and then in return, what you get is connection with uh, with like-minded individuals, and you get you know <laughs> these positive mirrors of like how freaking amazing you are because of you know what you're able to contribute. Um, you know in our you know in our groups, like I was saying, we have over 15 different groups. Um, you know, it. you have the people who show up who want to get information. You have the people who um, have experience and who are able to offer uh, information and experience. Um, you know, you have the like this, these collectives that are all connecting with each other and then they may connect outside of the organization also. Um and it helps people, it helps shift the frequency because these connections that are building and building oh, yeah. and building, we're, we're mm -hmm. spreading that information out through our ethereal mycelial network that we have. And that's, what's going to help change the world. That's, that's where the world <laughs> Genesis comes into play, where we're in that beautiful new world that we want to create so bad, where we're all together without yeah. conflict, but it takes the yeah. information that's coming from psychedelics, those downloads that you talked about. We need yeah. those downloads, but, but that's part of the process though. Interestingly, psychedelics aren't like this abstract kind of thing that disrupted the matrix. They're actually part of the story. I think, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, it's, they are kind of like they add color to the story and right. they make the story and they make the story uh more real yes uh, they, they they like they connect all the like the alienated parts of self of the story and it's like they bring them all together so what are some of the groups that <laughs> portland psychedelic society hosts on meetup.com so that's where people would find you if they're looking for more information not just portlandpsychedelicsociety.org, which is the website that they have, but really you'd want to go to meetup.com because that's where all the groups are that you can sign up with. And you don't have to have any previous history with the group 
to join. Is that correct? That is correct. Do you have like starter groups and then maybe intermediate and advanced as more people, you know, want to learn more? Well, just so I don't forget, we do have an inst we have Instagram. So you can join us on Instagram. We do have a private Facebook group, the Portland Psychedelic Society. Uh, we have Twitter. And a um, Reddit page. Don't forget the Reddit page even. Yeah, you know, <laughs> moderators who are doing a whole lot on that. But yes, we do have a Reddit page. <laughs> uh, and, and we do have a YouTube channel. So they, I just really realized that the YouTube channel has, um, you know, we have a lot of our presentations that are recorded and uploaded onto YouTube. That's Which pretty amazing. amazing. Yeah. You want to watch those presentations. They're right there. And it's just Portland Psychedelic Society is the YouTube channel. Yeah. And then so, Instagram so, is Portland Psychedelic, it looks like. Yes. Okay. Correct. Um, so our groups, we have uh, we have a number of support groups, uh, men's support group, women's support group. We have a microdosing, uh, one for BIPOC. Um, uh, there is a support group for uh, integrating psychedelics for chronic pain. Uh, we have a, a mental health support group, uh, and we have a veteran support group, which is new, and I'm very excited about that. Wow. There is a, you know, in regards to the veterans, there is a presentation that was done by an organization called Heroic Hearts. And that's on the YouTube page and our YouTube channel. Uh, and what they do, they connect vets with psychedelic medicine. Um, so check that out. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And then uh, we have I'm trying to think. So those are the, the we have those reoccurring uh, meetings. Oh, yeah. I forgot the. Uh, integration circles. So it's actually uh, integration support circles. Um, and then, uh, so there's two of those. And then there's two um, different kinds, but both um, uh, addiction recovery related meetings. So essentially the groups, you know, they're, they're designated by different titles. So people that fall into those categories, they have psychedelic experiences. They get connected with the doctors. They get connected with the people. They have the experiences. And then they come back to the meetup group and talk with other people in that same group, like veterans or whatever. Is that correct? Basically, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. So, so, and so these, so those, that's the, those are the support groups. Then we have, uh, uh, we have the presentations. So then we have educational presentations. Okay. Um, again, there's a lot of them that are, are on the YouTube channel. Uh, we have uh, one that's coming actually one that's coming up with uh, the ions group uh, in Portland. Uh, so we're partnering with them uh, and Aaron Eisen, our uh, educational research chair is giving a uh, presentation on, uh, I think it's a non, I think it's called non-local consciousness and psychedelics. Wow. Uh, so he, he talks about consciousness and then he also talks about the science of consciousness and right. psychedelics plays into that. Yeah. Cause he was the one with the extra information. He adds that other layer. Uh, -huh. yeah, he's amazing. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about 
where psychedelics are at today? Because we talked about, you mentioned that we're in a psychedelic renaissance. So what does that mean to you? Like, what is, like, why are we in a psychedelic renaissance? Because it's time for an awakening on the planet. And this is just a component of that. This is a component of that. We, you know, the way that I look at it is that, you know, the pain and suffering is the, you know, our contrast to what it is, who, you know, who we can really be and the absolutely magnificent, fabulous lives that we can be living on the planet. And, um, these the psychedelic medicines i mean the uh you know mdma uh and has been fast-tracked for uh treatment for ptsd because of the amazing and that's not actually a plant medicine but we i throw it in with psychedelics um uh you know the results that people get from using these medicines is phenomenally amazing and it's you know people will talk about um, you know, a, a, an ayahuasca journey is equal to 10 years of therapy. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the, you know, trauma resolution, I mean, people, people are recovering. Let's just be clear, recovering from severe PTSD as a direct result of you know, psilocybin therapy or MDMA therapy. So do you think uh, those sessions are helping them rewire their synapses in a way that they can get away from that traumatic reliving of those events? Is it something like, uh, does it integrate something from the downloads that helps them get past it? What do you think it is? Well, there's a number of different ways. So uh, I'm just going to throw a shout out to Jane Latimer. She, there's a couple of, uh, YouTube videos on CPTSD and basically how psychedelics can be useful in treating that. Um, what happens is uh, people are able to have a different perspective on the trauma. And again, the preparation and integration piece of it is extremely important. So, you know, people need to do their work before they go have this psychedelic journey. And then they need to be prepared to integrate it. Um, and, you know, people get this new perspective on, uh, on the traumas. They get a new perspective of themselves. I mean, there's so many different ways that, uh, that trauma can be resolved. Um, you know, they, I'm thinking of, uh, of an experience that I heard of one time where, um, you know, someone was, you know, severely, you know, traumatized by one of their parents and in their psychedelic journey, it, uh, they were like, um, uh, like flipped into, uh, being the parent. And so, and they were seeing the whole scene from the parent's point of view. And, um, and, and then, you know, had an experience of, you know, just being able to see what the parents trauma had been prior. And, um, so their perspective was completely, totally shifted. It allowed compassion to come in. It sounds like. 
oh yeah 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 it was like it when they came out of the experience it, it's like they were lifted up to a whole new level of consciousness about these traumatic events and so you know it's like it's magic it really is magic and I think that there's, you know, incorporating that aspect of something bigger than us. Like you have, yeah. like, you know, oh, yeah. you're Absolutely. able to see the the different point of view. You may be able to have the compassion element come into play, but the other layer is just knowing that there's something bigger than us and whatever happens in, like you say, 3d in this dimension and our earth based experience, we're going to transcend that at some point, And we're going to look back on it as something maybe even trivial could be like an illusion basically yeah <laughs> <laughs> but okay. people talk about having the the, the mystical the component of the mystical experience um with these medicines is you know for most people that's key right that's the part but, that gets them past the trauma it gets them past the trauma it gets them past the the judgment of themselves the, the judgment of other people, even if they did deserve the judgment, it's still a judgment. Yeah. It's, you know, it, there's so many different aspects to it. So we're noticing, like we talked earlier, we're noticing that their laws are changing. The public attitude has relaxed. The general consciousness is shifting to a more positive attitude towards psychedelics. What does a psychedelic dispensary where you could buy psychedelics like weed, what does that mean for people? Does that mean that it's going to be like the wild west of, of people having consciousness expansion experiences, or is it going to be more controlled? What, what does a psychedelic dispensary look like? Well, uh, that's a really big question. So, you know, you have what's happening in Oregon now. So we have one Oh nine, uh, there's going to be licensing for uh, for psilocybin therapists. There's going to be uh, licensing for um, the uh, the facilities where this medicine is either manufactured or grown. So the Oregon Health Association is you know is putting together com a committee and advisory boards, and they're rolling that out out over the next two years. Um, the psilocybin therapy, uh, the specifics on it are you know, what they're talking about when they talk about psilocybin therapy. <laughs> what they're requiring is only one preparation session and then one psilocybin journey. And then the integration session is optional. Um, those of us who've worked with this medicines know that there's a lot more preparation and integration that is needed for people to derive the highest benefit out of an experience. And also, you know, you got to have some guardrails for people. So you're you saying know, that the integration aspect being optional is actually not a good idea. Not a good idea, but you know, that's what was written into the text. So that's where Portland Psychedelic Society gets to to be uh, present. And, you know, we are this like amazing community for the preparation and integration. Yeah, you are um, the integration component. Like once if it's not there for people, you're going to be there for people as a voice, as an ear 
for people when they have those experiences. But that's really interesting. So they're setting it up. You get to have one journey and one. And what was prior to the journey? It was the journey integration. Uh, One one preparation. Preparation, journey, and integration. So then. That's required. But, you know, people can set it up however they want. But we don't. But that's what is like absolutely required. Do they have to be clinical doctors? No, they don't. Um, the the um, the requirements for licensing uh, is 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 will be determined by the committee and the advisory board. So, so the, the, the for sure right now is that you have to have a high school diploma. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it actually I I really appreciate that. That's good. No, <laughs> but it's just funny that that's all so far. That's all it takes. To lead well, somebody as a shaman through oh, a mushroom oh, oh, experience. And, and, well, and you have to <laughs> well, and you have to be an Oregon uh, resident for yes. two years to getting the license. But the the thing about this, Jake, is that there are like there are <laughs> these medicines have been used by indigenous people and for like hundreds and hundreds of years. Some of them thousands of years. So, you know, ayahuasca, um, mushrooms, uh, peyote, you know, these medicines have been used for, you know, thousands of years, not in a clinical setting. So, you know. It's not really designed for a clinical setting. Is that what you're getting at? Well, (laughs) that's, that's, that's that's a safe statement. I mean, it's, um, Yeah. So, so the thing it, it's it's really interesting because if you're coming from you know the you know Western uh, psychotherapy, I'll say point of view, right? And you go, oh, you know what? This medicine helps with trauma. It helps with depression. It helps anxiety. So then you take that medicine and you drop it into your system, right? But then, you know, what about, you know, this medicine in its original state? What about, you know, where it's been used indigenously, you know, in, um, with shamans? You know, it, it's, it's just like a, something that's like a regular practice. Yeah, it's very my, natural for them. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with Ibogaine, with Iboga. So Iboga... Uh, it's iboga root. It comes from the Tabernathy tree in Africa. Um, the Bewiti uh, religion uh, uses it as their sacrament. So, you know, you, you go and have an experience in Gabon for an initiation with iboga. It's, it's way, way, way different than, you know. Being the, in a cubicle. I- <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, the, I get it, having the isolated alkaloid ibogaine, you know, used in a, a clinical treatment um, model for detox. So, you know, so you have these, you know, these two very, very different worlds. Um, do you know, so, I'm sorry to interrupt, but do you know anything about what Oregon has decided to like what are the parameters for the type of facilities that they're going to allow these people to have these journeys in? Uh, there, uh, you know, in the text of the measure, um, 
there's, you know, some specifics, you know, it can't be by schools. I mean, there's certain things. Uh, it can't be in a residence. Um, so they're leaving it pretty wide open. Wow. Nice. And, you know, and again, that, that was my point is that, you know, was saying, oh, you know, you have to have a high school diploma. Um, you know, in some respects, it looks like they're, they're leaving some things pretty wide open so that people who, you know, if they choose to get licensed, uh, it's more accessible for people. Now, uh, what will happen, what is, what's also in the text is that if you are licensed, then you can only practice in a licensed facility. So you cannot facilitate a retreat. Uh, yeah, outside of a licensed facility. Yeah, and you couldn't go to the coast or you couldn't go to a Redwood Grove and have a wonderful experience. You have to keep it in the facility, but man, any entrepreneurs out there in Oregon, this might be the time to set up a facility, a nice facility for people to have psychedelic experiences. Sounds like all you need is a high school diploma and eventually you can get licensed <laughs> and you can get licensed and you, and if you're the right frequency, you can guide people on these trips. Yeah, but no, there's going to be more than a high school diploma to get a license. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you know, and and they had do have it set up where, um, uh, you know, one one entity can only have uh, they're uh, they're limited to five facilities. Wow, but can you imagine though a place where you can. There's couches, you know, maybe there's like a, a movie screen with like a Grateful Dead concert or something really beautiful. There's crystals everywhere and aromatherapy. And that's where you get to be for four hours with like 10 other people as you have psychedelic experiences. But then how to juxtapose this with the time of COVID? None of this is going to happen until the COVID regulations change. It's a difficult thing to navigate. It's like you have to plan yeah. now, get set up now, because when everything's back to normal and the pendulum swings back to some form of normalcy, then you'll be ready to go. No, that's kind of what's I, what's nice about this uh, this shutdown. I think is that you know there's there's a whole lot of stuff that people can be doing. Just I mean, just in their lives and their personal growth and their you know spiritual growth, but you know business wise and regarding this, yeah. I mean, that's what's happening with Portland Psychedelic Society. The, the rate that we're growing at would never have been possible without this quarantine. Yeah, people are home. They're on their computers. They're checking stuff out. They're, they're not consuming media. They're not at the movies or wherever they're going to be. And they're finding well, you Well, yeah, and, and, and we have, you know, we've brought on, uh, uh, gosh, three, four, four board members um, just, you know, since... I guess, April, uh, you know, high quality board members who are like ready to work. So I'm like strategically developing the board. Wow. The um, incredible where, responsibility yeah. you have. I, I'm really stoked that it's you. You're a sweetheart. You're really a genuinely good person. I think that you're the right person for the job. Well, I am. I am the right person for the job and the job is right for me right now. And I think I mentioned this when we talked one of our conversations is that for me, um, it, it's, it's part of my integration practice. It's uh -huh. just, and, um, and what I get to see is how being, uh, 
volunteering with Portland Psychedelic Society is, is it's like it's, it's other people's uh, integration practices. They find purpose. They find value. Um, they, uh, you know, get to recognize um, themselves as value. Uh, they connect with like-minded individuals. Um, you know, we mirror each other, you know, you know, really positively. And, you know, like the conversations, I mean, like I call somebody to talk about, you know, some like PPS business thing. And, you know, then we like end off, up off in these, you know, conversations and, you know, 30, 40 minutes later, it's like, oh yeah, let me talk to you about why I called. <laughs> Well, that's what I noticed about our conversations. You know, we were talking about a wonderful things and then I'd notice, oh my goodness, I, I can't believe, you know, cause it's, you're a great person to talk to. And in a way you're the shaman of the Portland psychedelic society because you're, you're helping facilitate all this stuff. You're the centerpiece that isn't really doing anything, but helping people realize their own talents and potential. That's what a real leader does. It just kind of directs the flow of traffic, directs the flow of water, you should, you could say. You know, I love that you said that. <laughs> well, that's the vibe because I'm getting it, from you. you. Well, pretty much, yeah. And I get to be a channel. And, you know, when I, I'm not doing my hands-on healing work now, but um, that was, you know, when I talked earlier about um, you know, having those that I like that DMT space that would that I would go into when I was doing the hands-on healing. It was like I I would be so clear that I was just a channel for this energy to flow through. And um, yeah, that's what I get to do now. That's what I get to do with. Well, it's pretty amazing. I mean, it's you're you're genuinely helping people. You're organizing people, and at the same time, new people are coming to the fold, and you're energizing them and giving them new information. It's really a positive thing. It it seems like as humans, we have this incredible goal. We talk about this on the podcast a lot. We will keep talking about it because it's so positive. It seems like humans are moving towards heaven on earth, like a conflict free society where. We live united. Oh, yeah. We have the technology. Oh, yeah. We have the technology. We have the spirituality. We've got everything. And everybody's taken care of because really everything's infinite. So everybody has what they need and more. You know, they have everything they want. And and they're just, we're, we're living under the frequency of love. We're already there now. But we're, we have to reawaken to that. And I think that that these psychedelic groups like your group, like maps and these other groups are helping people reawaken themselves and reactivate and move towards that heaven on earth scenario. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. I'm just it's, not a doom and gloomer. I don't do doom and gloom. No, it's, you know, um, I talk about connecting with the, all that there is universal life force. Um, you know, spirit, people can call it God, you can call it whatever you want, but it's, you know, uh, uh, you know, how do we connect there and where is it, you know, manifesting through us? Um, and, you know, the all that there is, I mean, it's like everything. It's like infinite. It's infinite um, energy, infinite love, infinite creativity, 
And, you know, we get to be the channels for that. Um, you know, uh, in my last um, uh, medicine journey, like when I was in like the, the heightened state of it, it was like, I was thinking about integration and I was just started laughing and it's like, how do you integrate this? I mean, you know, how do you, like, it's ridiculous to like say, oh, <laughs> I'm going to integrate this, you know, infinite creativity, but that's what we do. You, right. you know, people you know come back down in the 3D and they make this amazing art and they create this amazing, these amazing, you know, uh, businesses and their relationships change and you know they go hiking more or get better more exercise or you know whatever their integration practice is right so yeah it's you know making that invisible visible and it is love and it's like where we're all connected I think we just need to reawaken and remember that, uh, that we're all a part of that great, like you said, the all that bigger oneness it's there. We're just out of tune. We're at, we're out of sync with it as a species, not us, not myself, not Casey. And, and I'm sure the listeners out there, so many of you feel the same way, but the general populace of earth, you know, they're out of sync. They need to get back into sync with those divine frequencies that are there that we access during our psychedelic experiences. Well, and you know, what I just want to say about community and what's, what is being created within Portland Psychedelic Society, it's kind of that. Because, you know, people, you know, with, with my groups, um, I, you know, want to, I set an energy for, you know, inclusiveness and, uh, you know, kindness and that seamless uh, participation and that give and take. And um, I mean, that's where it happens is in community, like what we're talking about. I mean, it can happen in a business and, you know, in a, in a family, um, you know, but, you know, this community aspect of it is really important. Yes. It's like, you know, you don't have to be a member of a family. <laughs> you don't have to be, you know, I mean, people can just come. Well, I mean, the only thing is just be interested in psychedelics. It's nice to have affirmations. You know, we've talked about that on a previous episode. It's good to have affirmations when you're having spiritual experiences, when you're developing yourself and evolving in that way. You You interact with other humans that totally validate you because they were in that exact same position, probably in similar circumstances and had the same outcome and, and they want to tell you about it. And it's very nice to have those affirming situations because that helps you grow because then you get the foundation. Once the affirmations in place and the foundations there, and then you're growing even more, you're growing even more. And that foundation is so strong and you can't do that without the community. Well, and you know, what's really interesting, Jake, what happens is that um, so ultimately we're all one. So there's, you know, nobody really is different from anyone else. We, you know, we all have the same stuff happening. It's just happening at a different time right. <laughs> in each life. So, um, you know, and, and what I what I find happens with me is that um, I will like, um, 
be like, I will connect with people that are like resonating on the same uh, growth trajectory or like in uh, the same area. So, uh, you know, I'm a coach and I'm a teacher. And so like something that's going on with me, you know, miraculously, what will happen is that that same subject will come up with my client, right? So I end up like teaching what I most need to learn, but it's like, I go over here and I need to do my work with it. And then it's directly reflected in, you know, maybe uh, someone that I'm working with. But that happens a lot within Portland Psychedelic Society. So, you know, these people who are, um, you know, having these trajectories of growth, you know, we end up connecting to each other, you know, through volunteering, you know, and or just people who are on the calls. And and it's like that the, the, the uh, two energies together growing on along the same lines of this trajectory. It's like it it's so much more expansive. It's like something happens that, that would not happen with an individual, you know, doing trying to do their own growth. Does that make sense? Yes. It's very similar to what we talked about in your biography, the masterminding. It's like a psychedelic mastermind yeah. because you're connecting different minds and then you're creating this one mind when two or more minds yeah. come together. And that one yeah. mind, when you're on the same trajectory, when you're on the same path, like you said, and you know, you're, you coincidentally are on the same path, you're then connecting and you're growing from each other. You're resonating. That energy field becomes that much more. But Casey, we, ha you know, we have as much time as we want, but we usually go about an hour and a half, but you know, so we're creeping up on that. And I just want to thank you for being a part of the podcast. Is there anything that you want to leave people with? I always tell people, you know, here's your chance to say something you really want people to know around the world. You really want to leave people with something, a profound thought. This is your podium. Here's your moment. What would you like to leave people with? <laughs> uh that the uh psychedelic renaissance is uh infinitely present and infinitely expanding right now through you know all kinds of ways and uh you know organizations and businesses so you know come to portland psychedelic society groups um you know get educated there's a lot there's a lot of other organizations that you can find out through uh, find out about through Portland Psychedelic Society. Um, me personally, um, you know, I refer to myself as a psychedelic integration specialist, focusing on life transformation and holistic addiction recovery. Um, I am working on a project called the, the uh, Psychedelic Integration Collective, where I'll be, you know, bringing a, a number of individuals together. Um, to help people figure out how to navigate this more on a one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so yeah, look me up. Nice. And we can find you, of course, portlandpsychedelicsociety.org, all one word, portlandpsychedelicsociety.org. On Instagram, you can look Portland Psychedelic, all one word, and you'll find that. You can get in touch with Casey. There's emails on there. Find Casey. And then, of course, meet up. Go to meet up. Look for the Portland Psychedelic Society.
because that's how I found the Portland Psychedelic Society was through Meetup. Meetup.com, join these groups. You want to have experiences, you want to share, you want to give whatever you're at, wherever you're at, go to these places and become part of these groups. It's absolutely amazing. Casey Mitchell, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. I'm going to play the outro music, hold on the line, and everybody will see you next week, Midnight on Earth.